West, in many places, Zen practitioners celebrate December 8th as the day of the awakening of Siddhartha Gautama, the day when Siddhartha awakened and became the Buddha. Bodhi Day, a day of transformation, a moment of transformation after having sat under a tree for seven full days and the following night approaching the eighth day when Siddhartha looked up. There was the morning star in the sky and upon seeing the morning star, now the Buddha said, all beings and I together are perfect, are complete, as we are. And thus the Buddha, which means the awakened one, came into existence. During the session, the Rohatsu Ozeshin or Rohatsu session, Daibosatsu Zendo, it always traditionally runs from the evening of November 30th until the early morning of December 8th. In a Teisho that I gave there, I spoke about the same topic that I want to talk about tonight. So here we celebrate Enlightenment Day. And already there is the E word, Enlightenment. Enlightenment sounds like something, something that can be grasped, that can be held. But truly here in this case, and in all cases, it's just a tag, a label that is attached to the first awakening of a person. In this case, Siddhartha, you can say enlightenment, was what happened to him. Awakening happened. But it is not what many people look for, a state or a property that henceforth will unchanged exist, without changes, always there. No. First awakening, the seeing of things as they are, tatata, shinyo in Japanese, or sometimes also dharmata, Suchness, awakening to that and awakening and seeing into the nature of the self, kensho. Is the seeing, the direct connection that is transformational. But it is not the end of this practice. And this is the important point. Look at the historical Buddha. He did not leave 
his seed under the tree and go out into the world and teach about it immediately. No, he did not. And the reason for that was that he did not know, what can I say? This is beyond words. This is beyond description. The way to awaken to this is something that each of us has to walk themselves. And there is no formula, no prescription that will bring everyone to that awakening. What can I say? We all know that. Let me remind you of a Western way of looking at it that can express a similar experience. Let's say you are standing in front of a work of art, a beautiful painting, and somebody next to you looks at the painting as well, and you're just overtaken by it. The other person looking at the painting looks at it and says, Ah, how beautiful! As a Zen person, you would turn to that person and say, Indeed! But what a shame to say so. So in the same way that the inherent beauty of the art, that what touches us directly, is beyond words. In the same way, the awakening brings us to a seeing that is not to be described in a two-dimensional medium, such as words, that cannot be grasped with a two-dimensional mind that is caught up between opposing polarities, poles of plus and minus, of male and female, of dark and light, birth and death, it is so much more that cannot be put into words. Yet at the same time, we can see through examining what happened to the Buddha that there is the responsibility to share and to transmit. And transmit here doesn't mean to give something of substance, something of no substance, to pass something on, but to work and to be present and available and actively involved as a catalyst to help others who walk this path to be able to look up at the morning star, to awaken as they stub their toe on a rock, on a mountain pass, or sweeping the grounds, flicking a pebble that hits the trunk of a huge bamboo and makes a noise, a bird song. <laughs> 
a distant bell, whatever it may be. So the responsibility to share and to transmit comes naturally with that kind of awakening. So finally, the Buddha had to say something. And instead of coming up with answers and declarations of very intricate, elaborate, and broad manner, books and books and books and books of saying, this is this, this is that, that's what you should do. His first expression, the basic teachings that he came up with were very, very simple. We know them as the four noble truths. The truth about dukkha. Dukkha often translated as suffering. But we could just say that things are not satisfactory. The truth about what causes that not being satisfactory. The truth that there is a way to remedy this situation. And the fourth noble truth, the path that leads to the alleviation of Dukkha. So when we practice and we have a little insight into something, a clarity that appears, our Dharma eye opening wider than before, we instantly inherit the responsibility to live up to that level of seeing that we have had encountered ourselves. I can only warn against seeking enlightenment or awakening. Read the old masters, Rinzai, saying that do not strive. When you eat, eat. When you drink, drink. When you sleep, sleep. When you shit, shit. Don't strive. Sosan Ganchi Zenji, the third ancestor in China, wrote the Shinjinmei, Faith in Mind. And right in this, it says, the highest path is not difficult. Just don't pick and choose. In other words, follow in this practice, follow the breath, learn to transcend 
the level of dualistic cognition, of cogitation. Do not think good, do not think evil. Suchness is beyond being labeled or judged. So around this time of the year, the topic of light in the dark permeates many, many cultures. It is probably not a coincidence that there was a bright comet, a bright star shining over Bethlehem when Jesus was born, that the Indian festival of Diwali is a festival of light that Siddhartha saw the morning star and awakened to be the Buddha. As we go into the season of the ever-extending darkness of the night, let's use this time to open our hearts, to open our Dharma eyes, and not look for anything, but become ready to see what has always been there. It is a practice that continues endlessly until our physical demise. Beyond that, I really can't tell you, just by the fact that we have not been able to speak to anybody who went there. On the other hand, we'll all find out one day. There are always 30 more years to practice, and even though you might have the biggest awakening yet, there will be 30 more years of practice. Zen and Buddhism are one as far as we look at Buddhism as the practice, the activity in which Siddhartha himself engaged that prepared him for the moment of seeing the morning star. course, it can be very interesting to study what the Buddha taught after he brought himself to speak about it. However, the essential practice in which we engage is spending the time under the tree, letting go, surrendering not even fighting 
the demons that attack us, the sensations that we feel as unpleasant. No, we completely surrender. And ultimately, once everything has been surrendered, nothing remains but wonderful, wonderful, all beings and I together are perfect and complete.